0: Welcome, you're listening to A Certain Degree. This very special episode is brought to you by the 2017 Orlando Fringe Theatre Festival. It's not sponsored by them, it's just that all the guests here have something to do with it. There's the festival's producer, Michael Marinaccio, writer and director duo Anna and Sam Hammersley, and writer-performer Lisa Castaneda. Get to know them, The Fringe, and their shows to a certain degree. Good morning, my name is Nick. Uh, As I mentioned, this is to a certain degree. And I've got a very special guest as I do every week. This is a different special guest than I usually do. Because I have a different guest every week. It's really hard to explain sometimes (laughs) what it is that I do. Mike Marinaccio is here. Mike, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Nick. Oh, no, no, no. It's my pleasure because I've been a big fan. Uh, You're the festival producer for The Fringe. I am. I've been a big fan since, uh, I think, 1993 was actually the first one that I went to, that I attended.
1: Oh, wow. You go further back than me. Yeah,
0: so I'm old, I think (laughs) is what I'm trying to say. Uh, But I was living, and I'll go through the whole story. I was living in Daytona. Uh, I was going to Ember Riddle and there was a pilot there who aspired to be an actor and he had heard about it. And we came out and we saw a couple of shows and I was I was absolutely hooked. But uh, before we get into the fringe and a lot of the details about it, because I think there's a lot to go through. Biggest ever um, coming up on May 16th. So it's right around the corner. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I think it bears explaining what it is mm-hmm, and sure. how it works, because I think there's even though that I'm a big fan, I've been a fan for over 20 years. There's still people who may not know, maybe a little intimidated by it. So we'll go through all that. But first, let's get to know you a little bit better. Great. So we're going to play a game, word association game, a little bit different though. All right. So instead of saying whatever comes to mind, you're going to say one of two things. And this week's game is smoke or mirrors. Okay. So instead of smoke and mirrors, Mm -hmm. smoke or mirrors. So if you're for something, you say smoke. And if you're against something or you're not really into it, you say mirrors. Because smoke, where there's smoke, there's fire. Sure. Which often indicates... That's something cool that's going on. Uh-huh. There's marshmallows uh, occasionally, and it keeps you away from danger. <laughs> uh, mirrors, nope, thank you. I, I don't want to see myself. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> uh, I think they trick you into buying things at dressing rooms, you know. <laughs> sure. Uh, and uh, you know, I have, I, I know my flaws. I don't need to see them. Uh, so amen. smoke or mirrors. All okay. Right. So, still, I think uh, you can still buy these on sale. Cadbury eggs. How do you feel about
1: those? Smoke. Oh, you're into them. You know, I, I got to say they're they're a little too sweet. You can't really. I mean, for for me now to eat a whole one is is really tough. But uh, yeah, man, it brings me back to my childhood.
0: Oh, very nice. Okay, well there you go. Do you do you think about what's inside of them, or do you uh, just kind you, of ignore you that part? definitely
1: try not to think okay. about what's inside. Right. Of them. Very good.
0: Uh, voicemail. How do you feel about voicemail? Smoke or mirrors?
1: Mirrors. Yeah. Uh, You know, today, uh, you know, I I prefer text messages. Uh, It's much easier to respond to. Um, uh, Voicemails get lost by me. Yeah. Email or text is really the the best way to reach me.
0: I like that. You may have left me a voicemail, but I lost it. Sorry, (laughs) I didn't get back to you. I like that. That's very good. I do the same thing with email and text. And pretty much any other line of communication <laughs> with somebody I don't want to talk to. Uh, colonizing
1: Mars. Smoke. Yeah. You want to go? Oh, heck yeah. All right. Good. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, I don't know if I'd want to go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They'd have to have a really pretty good colony with some, like, you know, four star hotel set up before I'd go, Okay. So you uh, want
0: them colonized yeah, and pretty you know, much. I mean, ready at, to at the go.
1: very least, total recall, um, dome you know, right. With, Quato with a and all that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I totally go meet Quato. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Uh,
0: I'm with you on that one. Uh, was this something you were big on when you were a kid or maybe for your kids summer camp?
1: Mirrors. Don't care for it. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, well, there are, there are different kinds of summer camps that like day camps are great for my kids cause. Um, oh, sure. Cause I go can to the work, rep, go to theater, yeah, do, yeah. Yeah. You know, they can learn something and, and stay active during the summer. But uh, the sleepaway camps, I never liked that. That was never my thing. Gotcha. Oh. I'm a, I, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a camper. I'm not a... Um, so
0: being out there and roughing it in the first place. Nope.
1: That's not a vacation
0: to me. Okay. No.
1: Right. I don't think it was supposed to be a <laughs> vacation, but I get that. Uh, so
0: you're not much on social media, maybe a little bit of Facebook. Obviously, you do a lot of social media for work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how do you feel about Instagram? <sighs>
1: I I don't get it, but I do get it for the business side. So I'll say smoke. Okay. Yeah. I mean it it works really well uh for promoting the fringe the and, shows and, and people yeah. sharing and, and, and lots of uh, cool pictures and things, but uh, personally I don't I I have the fringe Instagram on my phone. I don't have my own.
0: Oh nice. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so this is something that's changing over at the theme parks. Uh, appointment only theme park ride. So Jimmy Fallon, the new ride over at Universal, is going to be doing this. All of Volcano Bay is going to be appointment only for the rides. How do you feel about that? Uh,
1: mirrors. Yeah, I mean, come on, give everybody a chance. Get there early. You should get the chance to ride the ride first. Get in there and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's just funny. lazy.
0: It's just lazy. Uh, so, as a parent, <laughs> you know, do you feel like your kids are missing out on an important experience of the theme parks by not having to
1: wait in line? No, no. no. I, well, yeah, I, I, I prefer to go, you know, weekdays in the off season. Oh, I sure. I, you know, being an Orlando resident, I just don't go to theme parks in any um, prime week. No yeah, spring, you're not going. In I'm not going yeah. in December. Right, right, right. I'm not going on the weekends. Yeah. Okay. Smoker mirrors. Zombies, smoke. Oh, I love zombies. Really, zombies are my favorite. Man, is it uh,
0: just as a storytelling element? Is it like yeah. what is it that you like about them?
1: Yeah, I don't know why I'm 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 kind of obsessed with the post-apocalyptic scenarios. You know, the 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 how to survive after the downfall of society and stuff. But uh, I just love it. I I love uh, zombie movies and zombie shows and. And zombie stories. Yeah. So you're doing research. You're prepping for <laughs> the inevitable collapse. I wish. I'm totally unprepared. I, I need to <laughs> I need to I need to get a mountain cabin and a whole lot of guns and I don't even shoot a gun. So uh, Yeah, so you're uh, host. Yeah, Just like I'm, me. I'm probably I'm probably gonna die. In yeah, the, I, in the apocalypse, pretty I, quick.
0: I did like how there were zombies and it was all very consistent. Like they're slow moving, they're pretty dumb, and you can, you know, get away doing this, that, and the other. And then they started the fast moving zombies, and I'm like, oh, well, I don't even know how to prepare now.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's no way to prepare for that. Yeah. The, the 28 days later zombies, no,
0: no, no, I'm not for Or
1: so the, the ones, what was that? Um, what is that movie with Brad Pitt where they. Like, World War Z, yeah. And they, like, pile up against the walls oh, yeah. of Jerusalem and then just start pouring over. And you're yeah. like, ah, oh, forget it, man. I'd be, you know, yeah, toast. How do you fight those kind of zombies? Right.
0: Uh, how do you feel about, uh, so technology-wise, driverless cars?
1: Smoke. I think that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it probably uh, cut down on on accidents. Um, there's a lot of bad drivers out there. hmm Hopefully traffic
0: as well. And then uh, I can read a book while I'm getting to work.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I grew up in New York, so I used to love just taking the train out to the city, oh, yeah. you know, working out in the city and um, living on Long Island. I'd take the train every morning. And you sit there, you read a book and, you know, get out, go do your work. Mike Marinaccio.
0: So you were one of the few Italians in New York. That's that's one of cool. the few. Very yeah. few. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. Okay. Uh, the, the Orlando flag has come up. I don't know if you've seen some of the debate and the going back and forth on this. I'm very much pro replacing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how do you feel about, let's say, the old Orlando flag, the new proposed Orlando flag, or this process? Uh,
1: the new one kind of looks like a thong. Yeah, it does right? have yeah, a, like whale a whale tail, tail in the back. Of, yeah. I don't know, man. Um, you know, I, and it and it and it really just kind of looks like the the old one a little bit with the uh, Lake Eola fountain. Um, I think I think you know. The Lake Yola Fountain's a cool symbol, but, you know, we got more going on in Orlando than just the fountains. I think I'm with
0: you on that because I think that I I know it's nice to try to find something that encompasses everything that Orlando is Mm -hmm. in one symbol, but I don't know that that's it. I'd rather almost have something like really vague and symbolic that we can use elements of and different tourism things and Mm -hmm. be a little more. Yeah, it's new. And yeah, we're going to rip it up on Twitter, but, you know, it's better than what the current flag is. So, good. I'm glad we're on the same page.
1: On the same page.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you get to stay for a little bit longer. That's great. Uh, Cursive, uh, that's coming back. Writing in cursive, teaching kids how to write in cursive is coming back. It's actually in some states going to be a requirement again. How do you feel about cursive? Did you learn how to write in cursive?
1: I did as a kid. Um, I will say uh, mirrors, though. I mean, other than writing your signature, I don't really see much of a point in it anymore. I I don't think most people even write uh, handwrite. My handwriting has always been terrible anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, in second grade, I got um, on my report card, it said, Michael's penmanship is chicken scratch. So uh, that stuck with me, yeah. Oh, that seems I, to have scarred you. It scarred me for life. Right, yeah, like you haven't grade. even tried to get better at so I was at just like, penmanship. you know what, fine. I'm just going to type everything. I'm going to type everything on a computer. Yeah, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do you feel
0: about sandwiches, and what's your favorite kind of sandwich?
1: Mm. Smoke. Oh, um, my favorite kind of sandwich. I love a Reuben. I love a pastrami, hot pastrami. Uh, just being a New Yorker, I think that uh, hot pastrami done right. There's nothing better in the world. I'm starving um, now.
0: I'm going to have to cut this question out because every time somebody answers, <laughs> I get so hungry.
1: I did. I got to I gotta give a shout out to <clears throat> my boys over at 1010 Brewing because their liverwurst sandwich. I know liverwurst. Everyone's like, ill. Oh, I love liverwurst. It's delicious. Really? It's spectacular. The best liverwurst sandwich in the world.
0: All right. I'm going to have to go try that. Uh, So not a native Floridian.
1: I am not. Okay. How do you feel about the beach? Uh, Smoke at night, mirrors during the day. I, okay. You know, I I have sensitive skin. (laughs) I'm a little bit of a vampire i just we're learning um, a lot about you yeah so you
0: just stayed up all night to do the show i like uh-huh. that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> i just i'm not i'm not a fan mm-hmm. of the the heat and the, the the sun beating down on you and um you know a million people out on the beach i i love the beach at night though uh the sound of the waves and mm-hmm. the, the moon over the ocean um that that I, that i dig
0: holding hands and skipping
1: just something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, so this is a big trend, uh, and we're getting a few more of these in Orlando. Tiny
1: houses. How do you feel about tiny houses? Smoke. All right. I do. I. I'd love to have one, but I don't think I, as my only residence. Like I'd love to That's have your like up. a. Like a, like a tiny house in my backyard, you know? It's my okay. guest house. It's my, you know, so your go-to to yeah. get away. Right, right, right. Maybe get some writing that, done. Yeah, and then, you know, transport it somewhere, you know? If you put it on a trailer and, and go wherever, then that's great. But uh, but as a primary residence, no, I need more room.
0: Well, and you have two kids, so that, yeah. would, be, that yeah. would make it yeah. difficult. But, yeah, I yeah. could see
1: that. And you have a bunch of stuff, I would imagine. Um, I mean, I don't want
0: to put words in your mouth. But you have a ton of stuff.
1: I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not i am not really uh, one to collect a lot of things. I I, I, I purge a lot. Uh, I like to travel light. I like to, to live, uh, you know, with a, a smaller footprint. I think we might need to get you a tiny house. Uh, not that small of a footprint. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, last question, and then we're going
0: to get into some past guest questions or one past guest question. How do you feel about cobbler?
1: Are you a dessert guy? Smoke. Yeah? Oh, peach cobbler. Oh, man go to Georgia, get some peach cobbler, apple cobbler. Yeah. Nice. I totally dig those. Okay. Yeah. If I'm g- gonna go with the dessert, that's 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 the direction I tend to
0: go. Apple so pie, pie. Cobbler, yep. mm-hmm. more of the sweet, Mm -hmm. uh, crumbly, Mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff. Again, now Mm -hmm. I'm starving. Really (laughs) got to stop asking food-related questions. So, Mike, if you would, pick uh, pink or green. These are questions from past
1: guests. All right. I'm going to pick the pink. Okay. All right. And you're going to read that out loud and answer it. People like depicting the Disney princesses as other things, genres. What would your Disney princess collection look like? Um... I would definitely think like a uh, zombie themed Disney Princess Walking Dead merch. That's that's where I would go.
0: Oh, that would be yep. great. Uh, yeah, yeah, because a uh, lot of yeah. people go the steampunk or they'll go the emo chicks or something. No, I like want to see them.
1: I want to see them killing zombies. That's that's I want to see. Oh, they're zombie hunters. I oh thought yeah, they were zombies. Well, I mean, some of them could become zombies. Eventually they're going to be. become yeah. zombies, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. you know. Uh, Ariel's going to have to, you know, kill Belle because she's turned, you know. That's and interesting that you went
0: right to that, so you're a Little Mermaid fan
1: over <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think, I think yeah. Little Mermaid's cooler, yeah. Although <laughs> I heard the uh, production at Dr. Phillips was not great. Oh. The, that, the touring Broadway yeah, yeah, yeah. production I heard was pretty terrible.
0: All right, you know? well, we'll uh, we'll go off air right now and gossip a little bit more about that. <laughs> and uh we're gonna play some g love so one of your favorite bands yay so first hour is all gonna be funk uh so because cool. you said g love i was like oh well this is great i have Absolutely. tons of funky music so this is uh g love featuring tristan prettyman that's one uh, of my favorites beautiful yeah, beautiful yeah yeah on wprk winter park florida g love featuring tristan prettyman is it prettyman I think so. Prettyman. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was beautiful on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree. Morning. My name is Nick. I'm here with Mike Marinaccio. Mike.
1: Hey. Hey. How's it going? I'm doing good. Yeah. I, you know, uh, bent-y, uh Dark Roast uh, got me going. That'll
0: get you <laughs> awake in the morning. Well, thank you for coming in so early. I really appreciate it. Oh, ah, it's my pleasure. Uh, big fan of the fringe, as I mentioned earlier, since 93. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. I've been going on and off, you know, relatively regularly. Mm-hmm. So you started your sort of fringe, what do you want to
1: call it? Life journey. Journey? That's yeah, a better word. Sure. Uh, back in 97. I did. Um, I was going to UCF at the time uh, as in the theater program there. And uh, a few friends and I, we uh, decided we wanted to do our own thing. And mm-hmm. my friend Todd wrote this script. It was maybe a 45-minute sort of extended sitcom episode uh, featuring a bunch of 20-somethings um and uh you know sort of like friends except a little more raunchy and uh, the r-rated friends and uh it was called the zombie doorman uh and we uh was oh, that todd kimbrough todd kimbrough yeah oh, nice. todd yep. kimbrough and i started this adventure together uh back in 97 we did the show uh we co-produced it we charged three dollars a ticket um we ended up being the top selling show in the venue we hustled and and got out there and promoted it and just had a blast and uh you know for for me ucf gave me a lot it gave me a a great well-rounded education in theater a lot of practical experience in it um but when you're a student and you're kind of Uh, subservient to that 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 board that casting board you have to you know look up and see what you got cast in they pick the shows they decide what roles you play all of that And we just wanted to do our own thing and be able to produce our own thing and and so um, that was the doorway and and uh, since then there was not there's not a been an Orlando fringe that I have not been a part of Um, for 15 years I was producing directing acting writing Um, You know, doing everything that I I could, 17 shows in 15 years. Uh, And then uh, in 2011, uh, when uh, my predecessor, Beth Marshall, stepped down, uh, there was an opening. I applied and uh, ended up getting the job as producer of The Fringe. And I've been doing that ever since. Very nice. You didn't even have to threaten anybody. You're just like, look, I've been doing this for years. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, uh, it was an interesting process. A lot of people applied a very, very popular, um, job. I, I know why it's, it's one of the best jobs on earth. Love what I do. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, a, uh, uh, you know, going through the process, I think half of me, uh, of course I wanted the job, but, but half of me was just, Interested in getting in front of a selection committee and getting in front of the board of directors and Kind of letting them know as an artist what we really wanted out of this position We wanted someone who knew and loved the fringe festival Mm -hmm. and who understood what an artist goes through and the process of that Um, because really I look at my role um, in the festival as uh, really being serving the artists uh, I serve the patrons as well, but we have a whole organization, you know, our box office and all, all the other um, avenues that are, are strictly serving the patrons. Um, my role is to really look out for the interests of the artists in the festival as well as the festival as a whole.
0: Great. So you've also, I don't want anybody to think that you've only worked with the French Festival. That's been your only experience. I mean, you've done stuff with SAC, with theater downtown, was still around, the Rep, Shakespeare Fest. So you have a pretty mm-hmm. well-rounded uh, uh, sort of background when it comes to performing and doing producing and doing all these other things.
1: Sure, I, I never had the the dream of going to L.A. and becoming a big movie star. I just wanted to do theater. I wanted to do what I loved. I went to New York for a while, and you know, found that it was this this real struggle when you're you're auditioning for all these things, and then you get cast and the projects that i was getting cast in i'm like this is not really something that i was excited about it was just you know or doing commercial auditions and you know it's it's kind of those book a look we call them you know if you're the right look then they cast you if you're not then they don't it doesn't really matter whether you can act or not for me i always wanted to just do good theater i wanted to do things that um affected people that 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 moved people and so i worked really hard to to create a career, um, in the theater, which is not an easy thing to do.
0: So going back in that experience that you had in that first fringe in 97, would you, when I think you had described it in another interview that you'd found your voice. Oh yeah. Uh, so without that, would you, do you feel like you'd be where you are and how would you encourage, say a student now to go out and do something like that?
1: Oh yeah. You know, I I don't think I would be where I am today without, the fringe obviously since i worked there but um but even in my career as a a producer and being able to produce work i um what the fringe gave me is it gave me a business mind for it understanding that entertainment and theater is a business and that you have to have an entrepreneurial spirit and some organizational skills and be able to uh really you know put put A lot of different things into it marketing and and, you know every other aspect of it Um, but it also the fringe also allowed me to do whatever work I felt like doing so it was it's an easy avenue to produce it's very accessible it's very inexpensive for artists to participate Uh, you get a hundred percent of the ticket sales back and so um, you could take chances with work and that helped me to grow as an artist in a lot of ways, being able to just do the work that I felt like doing. It's almost a creative incubator in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so what you'll find at the fringe a lot of times is you'll find some stuff that is not ready for prime time. That's not really polished. That is just sort of, it's it, but it's a, interesting ideas and got some, some gems of, 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 of really a great theater, but maybe not ready. And then you'll also find some stuff that will be the most innovative, exciting, um, inspiring work that you'll ever see because it is 100% the artist's creative vision.
0: So looking at it from a patron's perspective, if somebody doesn't know what exactly the fringe is and how to participate, because from the description, some people might think that, oh, this is only for those who are super passionate about the theater and want to explore a bunch of stuff. But really it's, First of all, it's a bargain. Mm -hmm. So you're getting some amazing shows, uh, local, national, international.
1: That's correct. For an incredibly cheap price. Maximum ticket price is $12. Yep.
0: Uh, You're feeling good about that because all of the monies you mentioned, all the tickets go towards the artists. That's correct. And that's part of being a fringe festival, right? Like internationally, a fringe festival
1: is... Yeah, I mean, there's different there's different uh, rules in different countries and and different, uh, you know, the United States is sort of the wild west of French festivals. So um, so a lot of festivals do the same model as us with 100 percent ticket sales back, but a lot don't.
0: Okay, but we do. So that's great. I'm going to go ahead and say we, the Royal We of Orlando uh, French festivals. Uh, So you can go there and it's all pretty much uh, self-contained. As well which is nice
1: yeah we're uh, mostly decentralized in lockheaven park Mm -hmm. so we have seven theater spaces inside the lounge Shakespeare Center we have uh, a theater venue in the Museum of Art we have uh, three spaces inside the Orlando Repertory Theater we added a new space just across the street at the Junior Achievements Business Center um, which is uh, attached that's sort of uh, adjacent to the Science Center garage so it's and then our fringe lawn is there with free outdoor stage, our beer tent, all the food vendors. Um, so it is very centralized. Uh, we do, do have venues outside of the park, but they're all within uh, two miles, mostly within one mile of uh, radius of the park. Uh, so it is uh, a place where you can go park and see shows all day long, and eat and drink and and have a great time and and never have to worry about. It. Uh, hiking it too far or even better just ride share down there and never or bike absolutely and don't have to worry about parking absolutely we have a bike valet we will park your bike for you and watch it for you nice. um, there a Sunrail uh, during the days on oh, the weekends yeah. is, is great or, or uh, you know at least for a ride up there mm-hmm. you can always uber home um, if you're drinking so it yeah it's a it's a it's a really accessible easy way to
0: or if you just get drunk on theater
1: Drunk on theater. Yes, that should be think about that for a tagline. All right. Get drunk on theater. That's the next year's campaign (laughs) All right, so let's play another song what I want to get into next
0: is uh, what it is you actually do as festival producer Okay, I think you're out there quite a bit in terms of doing uh, the marketing talking to the media and stuff like that But it's very interesting to hear that. You know, you're the advocate for the artist. So what does that mean? Exactly?
1: Well, I am, I, am, I am pretty much the main point of contact for the producing artists. So we have 160-plus shows this year, and each one of those has their own producer who is independently producing their project, but they're producing it under the fringe umbrella. So I am the main point of contact between them, helping guide them through uh, the process. Um, I oversee all um, uh, production elements for all entertainment of the festival so I oversee our outdoor stage producer who um, brings in the the bands and and all the outdoor stage entertainment I oversee our kids fringe producer we have a mini festival within the festival that had about 10,000 in attendance last year Um, and I oversee the technical um, elements of the venues that we supply to the artists. Um, so really it's, uh, it's, it, I pretty much do everything on the entertainment side of it. That sounds like quite a bit. Well, I mean, I don't do it alone. <laughs> I just sort of, over, I oversee, I have a technical director. I have a kid's fringe producer. I have an outdoor stage producer. I have a, a visual fringe producer. So I, I, I do, they all report to me and we collaborate, but I, I, I don't do it all by myself.
0: Well, and so that brings up a good point. It, it, it is a very collaborative effort. So you have Absolutely. not only your team, you have a number of volunteers, some of which are new, some of which have been doing it for years.
1: Are you still looking for volunteers for this year? Always looking for
0: volunteers. Okay, I mean, so yeah. go to so, OrlandoFringe.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great, uh, you know, opportunity to volunteer, help out the community. And I think there's some really nice little perks that you sure. get as you a volunteer. Mean, uh,
1: you, uh, you are awarded Fringe Bucks for the hours that you work, and Fringe Bucks can be used to see shows for free, so... Um, if you're, you know, ha- have a volunteer spirit and you um, want to give back, but also want to see some shows and maybe are a little strapped for cash, this is a great way to do it. Yep. Um, you know, we do any unused fringe bucks will will use as raffle in the uh, volunteer party at the end of the year uh, after the fringe, where you can get all kinds of great prizes. Um, you get a T-shirt and a volunteer badge, and that volunteer badge uh, acts as your button. Uh, so oh, for any show, yeah. So, I mean, what's it, one of, one of the important things about the fringe is hundred percent of the ticket sales go back to the artist, but you have to buy a $10 button. So the $10 button, it's a one-time purchase. It will last you the whole two weeks of the festival. And that's the only money that goes to the, to the fringe, the fringe to help itself. support the festival yep. and keep us going.
0: So, and that's true. That collaborative sort of uh, nature is true of the artists as well. So you get a lot of people that are out there hustling, trying to get people to their show. But they may also tell you, I remember talking to some people who uh, had just finished performing. Hey, what did you like? What did you see? And getting some really good suggestions from them on other shows. So they're not just talking about their own shows. Oh, absolutely. They're excited about the shows. They're willing to go and see the other things and help out. So it's not like this backstabbing sort
1: of. No, there's, I mean, there's always a little bit of of that competitive spirit uh, between the artists. But for the most part, I mean, overwhelmingly, the artists are really supportive of each other. The artists understand that getting more people to the festival is good for everyone. And um, the best way to do that is to promote each other and to be supportive of each other and help. I mean, there's all kinds of we have a a Facebook group just for uh, fringe artists. And there's constantly people sharing their props and set pieces. You know, I need a, a high back wooden chair okay and have one yeah. Boom, yeah and it's there and so um it's a it's a great supportive uh collective of artists everybody feels like they're in it together and for a lot of people it's sort of a big reunion you know um uh we have a lot of touring artists that come from all over the world uh and across the country and this is the first stop on the fringe tour mm-hmm. fringe summer tour for a lot of people so they'll show Up And then they haven't seen each other in, you know, eight, nine months. And so it's a a big reunion and everybody's uh, really uh, excited to see their new, see each other's new shows.
0: That's very cool. All right. Well, let's leave it at that. We're going to play, again, the theme sort of for the first hour is going to be uh, some funk. So let's go with one of the original funk bands, uh, The Meters. Cool. Funk it up, Nick. New Orleans. (laughs) I will uh, pretend you didn't say that. (laughs) <laughs> this is Luca Pi Pi on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. You're listening to a certain degree, and I'm back. I'm Nick, and I'm back. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, with Mike Marinaccio. Mike, good morning.
1: I'm glad you're not Nickelback. Yes, they're terrible.
0: They are, and you know, as a Canadian, I refuse to admit they're from Canada. <laughs> so
1: Where in Canada are you from? Nick?
0: Uh, Montreal. Oh,
1: I love can't Montreal. Can you tell from the accent? No, no, because <laughs> I was born there. The we, beard, the beard is is helpful though. Yes, that's, a, that's, a little that's bit of definitely a, a, a Canadian yeah. beard. Yeah, it's yeah, uh, definitely.
0: I was born in Montreal, and then we moved down when I was a month old. So I actually oh, wow, was so raised really. in Daytona Beach, Florida. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. can't you tell from the accent? no no yeah so i have no accent (laughs) so i refuse to have one so my parents are also greek so everyone was speaking like french and greek when i was a kid right so yeah just neutralized any accent that i might have (laughs) which is very nice hey uh so mike you're here from the fringe festival i am and we're gonna have some very special guests here in the next hour uh which is going to be great so a couple of performers writers uh it's really nice to see uh people who are doing so much Uh, Within the community and then for the French Festival itself, but I wanted to ask uh, So you've been involved with the French Festival on one level or another uh, since 97 What are some of the big changes that you've seen over the years? I think one of the biggest for me which I appreciate is being able to order tickets online, which is Uh Fantastic, uh, because obviously some of the shows are gonna be a little more popular than others They're gonna sell out a little more quickly so I can go ahead and get the ones and plan ahead, mm-hmm. rather than uh, seat to my pants sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, we're catching up on technology. We're still, you know, still still trugging along, but we've got a, um, we've got mobile apps now, and uh, got a great new online ticketing company, um, uh, Showware, uh, and so uh, th- those are great changes. But I think the biggest change over 26 years, we are the oldest fringe festival in the United States, going mm-hmm. on our 26th year. Um, has been the growth of the festival we went from you know just under 30 shows in our first year uh, to now over 160 uh, and that's just the ticketed shows and then all of the other sub festivals within the festival uh, that happen Uh, you know we've got we've got all-day music festivals on the lawn just within the festival so swamps Sister lava which is beth mckee's um female acoustic uh festival there's jambando that happens all day the second saturday of the festival mm-hmm. we've got kids fringe we've got visual fringe which is a visual art festival um we've got our teen fringe showcase which is now uh a one acts from uh some of the top uh awarded uh one high school one acts from districts three and five so it's sort of grown into from from a, one small festival to a really large festival with a bunch of mini festivals within it. Um, you know, last year we had about uh, fifty-two thousand in ticketed attendance, um, and that doesn't count all of the free uh, attendance at the, our outdoor sure stage and kids fringe. For everything else. Yeah, 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 wow, mm-hmm. that's amazing. So, yeah, I mean, I think the, the the growth and not just within the festival, but of The community awareness and engagement has been the biggest thing for me.
0: So let me ask you this. Going back to college, you get your BFA in acting Mm -hmm. uh, from UCF. Mm -hmm. Great experience there and really got your voice at the French festivals we talked about earlier. But you're not necessarily, you're acting still, of course, but you're doing a lot of other things. You're doing a lot of more on the management side.
1: Yeah, I I still act occasionally. Uh, I do it for fun now. It's not, you know, my career focus, but it is uh, still fun for me. And it's something that will be with me for as long as I live. I'm I'm always going to act. But I direct a lot. Uh, I produce, um, you know, I produce other things outside of the festival, Uh, I produce other festivals Um, I do the art Lando for Orlando Weekly Um, I assisted and produced uh, with uh, United Arts of Central Florida the um, arts for all day just recently Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I have my own projects Uh, right now I have a project that uh, I'm taking to uh, Canada and Indianapolis and San Diego this year so touring around as a touring fringe artist Um,
0: so, and that's Josephine?
1: Uh, Josephine, yes. Yeah. It's uh, the story of Josephine Baker, one woman show. Um, and it is a uh, cabaret, theater, dance, burlesque. It kind of combines all of these elements. And it's a beautiful story. I think one of the most amazing stories of the 20th century, this woman's life is so undertold. And so, um, yeah, it's a really exciting project. I, I co-created, uh, produced. Directed and to the soundboard operator, <laughs> as well as designed a lot of the sound as well. So, um, so yeah, it's a it's a piece that's near and dear to my heart.
0: Well, what I think is really interesting about that is your 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 background, your college, and this is something that I always kind of talk about: is a lot of people don't end up in the field that they study, right? It's mm-hmm. only I think according sure. to numbers about twenty seven percent, particularly
1: if they study theater.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. So, but you're really applying what you learned uh, and, and through some external experiences as well, not just what you learned at UCF, but what mm-hmm. you learned at the French Festival and stuff like that. But I guess my point is you can, you you, you were able to make that transition fairly easily, it sounds like.
1: Well, I would say uh, not fairly easily. I mean, I, I spent uh, over a decade after college, um, I'm mostly working as a server, a bartender. Um, and, you know, in service, in service industry jobs to make my money, uh, while I was still doing theater for peanuts or free. Um, and so, you know, just, just trying to be active doing what I loved, uh, but to actually make a living in theater is, uh, one of the hardest fields, I think. Uh, imaginable and and what I always suggest to young people coming up that really ha- are passionate about theater and want to be uh, involved and make a career out of it is learn every job in the theater so that way if it's a sound design job or a lighting design or it's a you know a, a, a board operator or follow spot or stage crew or fly rail you know whatever it is house management learn it all so that there's all you're always working in theater because if you just try to be an actor, it's um, it's very hard. So
0: is there anything you would have done differently looking at your path now? I mean, you're obviously in a position where you love what you do. It gives you enough time to do the other things that you like to do. So you're producing other things. You're working on the show that you're very passionate about. So would you have done anything differently?
1: I mean, I try not to try not to. Uh, have regrets? And yeah. Look back. I mean, you know, I'm Greek, so choices, that's all I have. The choices, <laughs> choices, that I made have gotten me here. Have I made bad choices? Tons. But you know, um, uh, it. I, I I don't I don't have any regrets. No. All right. I mean, I'm a pretty lucky guy. I've I've been pretty blessed. Yeah. Throughout my career. Well, very good.
0: So, what are some of the things you're uh, you're looking forward to this year, uh, specifically at the French Festival?
1: Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how, uh, some of our new venues do. Um, we've got a new venue at the junior achievement center. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited to see how, uh, that goes. And then also we've got a new, what we call a bring your own venue an independently run venue, uh, offsite, which is breakthrough theater of winter park, uh, just up the road from oh, here, yeah. Rollins college. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's exciting to, to see how that goes. I'm excited about uh, a lot of our site-specific offerings, which are the non-traditional venue shows. So, uh, you know, in the past, we've had shows in a bathroom or a bathtub, uh, overnight camping trip, uh, a utility closet turned into a puppet theater. But this year, uh, we've got a cargo van, we've got a walking tour of the urban trail, um, so, uh, something underneath a, a, a shady tree behind the, the Shakespeare Center. So it's it's kind of um, I love that non-traditional venue and people thinking outside the box and, uh, making it happen. And a lot of these folks are people who applied for the lottery and didn't get in through the lottery. And they just rethought their project and said, you know what, I'm going to do something a little different and I'm going to, uh, uh, create, create a space where there is none. Um, and I I think that's kind of the future of theater is, is, is getting beyond the bounds of a conventional theater venue and, uh, having that immersive interactive kind of experience.
0: We almost have to, right? Like the number of theaters that are around and everything else that's happening, you have to engage people in different ways.
1: Sure. And, you know, what we realized doing the Fringe Festival is there are a lot more producing artists and, and Producing companies in Orlando, at, or that wanna perform in Orlando from from out of town, uh, then we have space for. Uh, typically, and uh, the it, they're not affordable all the time. So renting space in someone else's theater is not always um, viable. Yeah. A viable option for yeah. for a producing artist, especially if you're you know building a new company and 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 starting from scratch. Uh, So the the fringe is a great avenue for those folks to be able to produce their work, do it affordably, maybe even make some money at it and um, and and can act as a launching pad for uh, other stuff.
0: So that's an interesting point that I don't I don't know if everybody realizes, but the fringe is not uh, juried in any way. The the uh, the shows are not chosen by any group. It's a lottery. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that people get in. And now, w- could you explain a little bit more about the sort of the, the the people that get in through the lottery, but then there are these extra sort of components that people can get in through yeah, in terms so, of performers?
1: So the lottery this year, we drew about 100 acts from about over 250 different uh, lottery applicants. Uh, so less than a 50-50 chance of getting in. Uh, and what's beautiful about it is it's this, uh, you know, completely um egalitarian system it's this it's this uh, way that uh, whether you're a polished professional producer who has done this year after year or uh somebody brand new you know a a semi-retired electrician who decides he wants to produce uh, a one-man storytelling show Mm -hmm. um you have the same chance of getting into the to the festival and so it creates this level playing field there's um, in a lot of juried festivals or curated festivals, you'll find there it causes dissension in the community because there are certain groups that are always, always included and yeah. certain groups that are never represented. And I think what's beautiful about the Fringe is it's a fair playing field. Everybody gets an opportunity. Uh, outside of the lottery, if you miss out on the lottery, a lot of people take matters into their own hands, create that site-specific show, creating something... That's um, in a non-traditional venue. And and I'm very supportive of those folks trying to get them set up, making sure that they have everything they need to be able to do the show. Uh, And then there's also our bring your own venues, our independently produced venues. So we have four of them. um, Savoy, Orlando, which is just around the corner on Orange Avenue. Mm -hmm. uh, The venue on Virginia Drive, uh, which is our kind of our oldest, longest running bring your own venue. There's a full the Fringe box office, there, St. Matthews Tavern, uh, which is going into its third year uh, now as a Fringe venue, um, and then uh, Breakthrough Theater of Winter Park, and those venues uh, they program themselves. So they so uh, the artists that don't get into the lottery apply there, and then they are curated venues. But mostly, there really uh, uh, there's a really good opportunity if you apply to these venues that you're going to get your show in. And Sell the same a- rules still apply: the button and the tickets and everything. Yeah, else. still maximum ticket price of twelve dollars. Still need a fringe button to see shows. Um, yeah, the same same rules apply.
0: Okay, very nice. So eventually, like in another five six years, the French vessel is going to take over all of Orlando, is <laughs> what I'm seeing and hearing.
1: Well, I mean, you know, we're, there's always been. Uh, Since I started this job six years ago, there's been a lot of uh, interest in bringing Fringe back downtown or making it a second hub downtown. Um, And I think eventually that may happen, Mm -hmm. but I'm very careful to not... I I don't want to grow the festival faster than I grow the audience. I want to make sure that the audience is keeping pace with... um, uh, so we're outpacing the growth of the festival. So as we see surge in audience, then I will add venues, add shows, and increase the the number of offerings to kind of match that. But I'm always hoping that the audience outpaces it. And just, you know, right now we just don't have um, enough audience to, to to create a whole second hub downtown. It would water down the crowds right. for the existing artists, and, and that's something I'm not willing to do.
0: Yeah, I always think of world domination and how I'm going to do that. So <laughs> French Festival seems like one venue that I might want to check on. Now. It's uh, it, it World domination takes time,
1: though, Nick. You can't just take over the world in, in a day. Well, and you've
0: been doing this for 26 years. I mean, the French
1: Festival's been around
0: for 26 years. So if I just glom onto that then
1: obviously that's my shortcut. Sure, but it's probably going to take another uh, 26 years. Okay, (laughs) i got to think of something else then.
0: Well, thanks, Mike. Uh, So you're going to stick around?
1: I am going to stick around. And we've
0: got some very special guests. We've got Lisa Castaneda uh, coming up, Sam Hammersley. Uh, So both are doing shows uh, this year in the French Festival, so we're going to talk to them after the break. But first we're going to hear a song, Nino Michela. So I don't know if you're familiar with Nino. Uh, I don't think so. All right, so finish out the funk with some new stuff. Are you for real on WPRK Winter Park, Florida? You're listening to a certain degree. Ben Harper on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. That was the Drugs Don't Work from the Live in Mars album. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to a certain degree. That was a bit of a sadder song than we usually play Monday mornings. But that's good. I think that goes with the uh, the theme, I think, for the next segment is going to be about the Fringe Festival, about Lisa Castaneda and her show, uh, La Reina Yolanda. Did I say that right?
2: La Reina Yolanda. La Reina
0: Yolanda. Thank you very much you for very that. Well. Uh, Lisa, thank you for coming out this morning. Thank you for having me. So you're doing a one-woman show at the Fringe. Correct. And that's the name of it. I'm not going to try to say it again, but that's if you want right. to, that's fine. Uh, what I found really interesting about this is that it's a one-woman show, but it's very biographical about your mother. Yes. And so that must have been very difficult to, to write because it's the subject matter is not easy.
2: Correct. Um, yes, my mother has Alzheimer's, and I wrote it—I started writing it in 2014 after my father passed away. And she was going to live in a nursing home, but prior to that, she came to live with me for a, She came to stay with me for about a week, um, while we were figuring out what was going to happen. And um, I just started retelling her kind of stories that she's told me in the past uh, as a way of connecting with her and educating my children uh, about her life. And it just started to flow out, and I started writing it just as kind of a cathartic piece to try to get things out on paper. And then I was like, this is. This is a show. This is something I need to do. It not only tells about Alzheimer's and what people should know and expect um, about the disease, but also about my mother's life, which was pretty incredible. I mean, it was uh, heartbreaking at times and amazing at times. And I just, I thought this is something I just have to do. And I think it's an important work to be seen and to do. It's hard. It's incredibly hard. It was an incredibly hard uh, writing process there were times my husband who's also directing um said uh this is supposed to be fun <laughs> and i was like ah, oh, i don't yeah. know i don't know about <laughs> that so even rehearsing it is like you know it's 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 emotional so i go up and down with you know this is great telling her story to this is so sad so incredibly sad but but it's not an all it's not all a downer. The show is not all just sad. No, no, and
0: no, I apologize if, I, if no, it came no, no, across you that didn't. way. But because it's it is a celebration of her life. Yes, absolutely. So what you're doing is sort of uh, taking her life and and celebrating it in a way and making it a little more permanent for yourself too. Because yes. I would imagine that, you know, like any uh, any family story, sometimes they're lost in time or sometimes it becomes a little bit of a telephone game where oh, the details start to go wrong and you forget some of the some of the things. So putting it down and you you save it for your kids and and their kids and so on
2: yeah I mean I think it's it's the classic uh, storytelling uh, passing things down through the ages uh, kind of the way theater started you know um, I think it's important for my kids to know where my mom came from and what mm-hmm. she's all about you know my kids are um, my mother's Puerto Rican. My father's Anglo. My children are one quarter Puerto Rican. So they uh, have a tendency to say, well, I'm not Spanish at all. I'm not. And I'm like, oh, yes, you are. And I remind them that there is this part of them that they need to know and that they need to understand. So um,
0: so from a cultural standpoint, that's important. Yeah, it's
2: really important. You yeah. need to know where they're from. I mean, they have another half, too, that they need to know about as well. But um, I'm pushing my half.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that half is not as important.
2: Yeah, no, no, yeah I get that.
0: Uh, so w- when you were starting to write this, how did you begin? I mean, so there's all these stories that you have. You understand you, you've lived with your mom uh, for a number of years when right. you were a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she, you know, had her own life beforehand and she had her own life kind of afterwards as well. So where did you start in the writing process?
2: I started with her um, it, kind of the beginning of her disease. Um and then kind of segued into where she was right before my father passed in 2014. Uh, She was, you know, just kind of like a baby all over again. And uh, she was, uh, she would do this interesting thing where she would talk to them. She didn't know any of us. She didn't know us, but she would talk to the mirror. And that was a woman that was recognizable to her, but not as herself, as like a, a trusted advisor. Um, but she would have full conversations and explain things to her and tell her about things, and so I add that into the show, and I think that's an interesting part of what happens to people who have Alzheimer's. It, diff- it manifests in many, many different ways, mm-hmm. but for her, that was that was her way. Um, it was. I started there, and then I started to recount things that she told me about her life. Now, obviously, I don't know exact details about every single moment that happened when she was a child but I took the pieces that she gave me and told me in story and I put them together and created a a story out of it Um, there's a lot of 99.9% truth in the story so um, some of it's some of it's really lovely and some of it's kind of ugly unfortunately it's life it is a story about life Um, every bit of it the good the bad and the ugly
0: so, is this your first one-woman show?
2: It is my first woman one-woman show. Um, I've been acting for, well, 37 years, so since I was 10. Oh, I just gave away my age. Um, that's okay. Anyway, uh, I've done other fringe shows, but this yep. is the first one-woman show. This is the first show that I've written other shows, but this is the one, first one I've written, performed, and produced myself.
0: So that's a that's a pretty big challenge. Was that something that you said? Well, I have to do this. Obviously, you wanted to do this because of uh, the the catharsis that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a pretty big challenge to put in front of yourself. What is? Uh, what do you think the biggest thing is going to be? Is it going to be that first night getting through the first performance? or do you feel like you've got it down and you're ready to go?
2: Oh, I never feel like I got it down and ready to go. No, I'm always nervous, even after all these years, I'm still nervous, but um, a Fringe Preview, I was incredibly nervous to go out there, but as soon as I walked on the stage and you feel the energy and the love of the audience, and then you know that you're doing something really important, it just kind of flows out of you and you feel comfort. I feel in my comfort zone, that's where I feel the most comfort comfort when when I'm right on stage, speaking my first words so yeah there's a lot of nerves building up to that um but i know i'm going to be okay when i get out there
0: so having done a few fringe festivals in the past what five six seven ten
2: um i've done three the orlando fringe festival three shows uh one i co-wrote with my husband um the other do you want to even tell you which ones they were oh, i'm just curious yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah yeah okay so the first one i did was like uh, i think it was 2001 2002 is when we were downtown the uh history center area and i did a show called stop kiss and um i was just an actress in that and then i did a show uh with great orlando Actors theater a c- company that my husband and i run um called the five people you meet in porn so there's that and then we wrote a show called pandemonium which um was, uh, a musical based show. So most of the stuff I've done, the first one was a drama. The last two were comedies and a musical. Um, nothing like I'm doing now though. So uh, there's no ensemble for me to rely on. It's all me all the time.
0: <laughs> so having your, this is a family piece this mm-hmm. is about your family and having your husband direct you. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that a bit of a challenge or did that did that present its own uh, uh, relearning process? So you're doing something new plus having your your husband direct you.
2: Well, he knows how really important it is um, to me. Um, my husband's Paul Castaneda, by the way. And um, he's directed a lot in town, so he's the only one I would ever trust with the show. There's so many great directors out there, and don't get me wrong, but he was the one person that knew me, knew my mom, and I think knew how personal it was to me. And don't get me wrong, it's not like we don't fight when it comes to when we're doing this piece, because I wrote it, you know, and I'm performing it. Uh, and I took on the job of producing it, and I produced it through our theater company. I wanted to do it all myself.
0: So you could fire him at any time. Any time. I yeah. threaten him all
2: the time. Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, this is not going right. Um, but, no, he brings me back to reality. This is kind of his job in our whole life and marriage is that he kind of snaps me to it and says, hey, you know, this we're doing important work here this you can cry later right now you need to be there you need to be in the moment you need to tell the story um and that's i think that's an important thing i don't think any other director for me would be able to talk to me like that (laughs) so i let him get away with a lot but it's helpful it's very helpful
0: so uh how many shows are you going to do during the Fringe for this?
2: I have seven performances during the Fringe. Okay.
0: All in the same venue?
2: Yeah, the White Venue, which is the Junior Achievement building.
0: Oh, very good. And so what is the biggest takeaway you want people to have from this show?
2: Um, You know, I want them to spend more time with their parents. I mean, I hate to say it, but the reality is, is that I could have done more. I could have... I can't change your disease. I couldn't have cured it. There's mm-hmm. no cure for Alzheimer's. But I could have spent more time. I could have spent less time with my own thing in my own life. I could have given more time to both my parents, you know, but especially to my mother who was struggling. And I think that's the most important thing to take away. Remember your heritage, remember your history, recount the tales that they've told you, listen to them, listen to everything they have to say, because what they have to say is really important. Our elderly, you know, have so much information to impart on us and we sometimes ignore it because ah, you know you don't you know what you're talking about you know but that's that's not what we should do we need to listen more and, and just take it in and tell people
0: so are you gonna perform this or have you already performed this for your kids
2: mm. um <laughs> they've heard me they've heard me walk around doing my monologues um but yeah they'll probably come to one of the performances yeah definitely i mean I sometimes worry about it that it'd be a little more too emotional for them to to understand they're 13 and 11 and mm-hmm. I have a 23-year-old but he's out of the country right now so he won't get to see it but um, I I want them to see it. I do. They need to know about it. So I'm hoping to to bring them one night. I would like to say that um, doing the friend doing this at the Orlando Fringe was uh, it was a huge thing for me because I didn't, uh, I actually applied for the Boulder Fringe and got in, but my kids had a chronic condition and there was, they were in the middle of medical issues at the time, so I couldn't go. So I toyed around with what I was going to do. And then I said, no, I I need to do this for the Orlando Fringe, not only for my community and for my peers, but this is my home. This is my place. And so I thought it was an important place to do it. And luckily the lottery gods shined down on me and I got in so I'm very excited to do the piece um think it's important work and it's um it's life it's 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 good and bad it's it's going to be um an exciting piece for me to perform um there'll be some tears I'm thinking about bringing tissue for everyone
0: <laughs> oh that's a good idea just yeah, have it under, so. the, under the uh <laughs> chairs
2: just in the middle of my monologue just hand it over to someone <laughs> just in case
0: well that's good so White Venue, uh, you have seven dates. People can go to orlandofridge.org and find out about it. The name is La Reina Yolanda. Very good. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa, for being here. So I'm gonna play a song uh, that sort of goes along with it. It's um, it's uh, Portuguese, so it's not Spanish, but it's uh, Waters of March. Okay. So I don't know if you're familiar with this song. It's by Antonio Carlos, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name in Portuguese, but I think it's Hobam, okay. Jobim, uh, something along those lines. Uh, but it's it's really an interesting song because it's just these individual little scenes. So it seemed to very much uh, seem to go in line with what you were talking about and what the yeah. theme of this uh, this one woman That's show, how my show runs like yeah. in pieces like that. Yeah. yeah. OK, very good. Well, we're going to hear that and we're going to come back uh, with Punslingers afterwards. So thank you so much for being here. Thank Lisa. you for having me. Dwayne Eddy on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree. Before that, we heard from David Byrne and Marissa Monte with Waters of March. I'm sorry, the Dwayne Eddy song was, of course, My Blue Heaven. Uh, Good morning again. My name is Nick. I'm here with some Fringe Festival performers, Sam and Anna. Good morning, Sam and Anna.
3: Yeah Anna, yeah,
0: Anna, yeah. Anna? 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 yes. Anna. We're
3: we're testing you on your Spanish this morning. Yes,
0: yes. There's so many not Greek names. If y'all could just be Greek and Canadian, I'm I would so sorry. solve so many problems for me. <laughs> so good morning. You are here from the show Punslingers a Western wordplay musical. That is right. Yes. Okay, so I got that right. You yes. nailed it. I'm I'm good so far. Okay. Musical, well, I
3: believe it's pronounced Mus- musical. musical yeah, yeah, there it
0: is. Yeah, <laughs> very nice. And so this is a show that you've been doing a version of over at SAC Comedy Lab mm-hmm. uh, for about how long now?
4: Um, well, we actually started at um, Stardust Coffee here in Winter Park. Oh, okay. Um, it's probably been three and a half years yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were doing it kind of every couple of months. We outgrew that space and then we brought the show to SAC uh, about like a year and a half ago. Okay. Um and, and that's the that's the game show called Punslingers, a game show for word nerds. <laughs>
0: and that's a that's a cell phone. Yeah. For the game other show's nerds. calling the game show's calling? They need you back. <laughs> yeah, that, we really gotta gross. go. So tell me a little bit about the game show, and then tell me about the show that you're doing for Fringe, which sure. is not a game show.
4: Right. So the, the game show, Pun Slingers, um, like I said, we do it every few months there at Sat Comedy Lab on Orange Avenue, and it's an open mic style thing where anyone can enter, and we give them topics, and basically anyone can enter. They get up on stage, and they tell their best puns based on that topic, and they're trying to win the favor of the audience audience. The audiences are the ones that they're the ones that clap. They're the ones that decide who gets to go on. We put them through a series of rounds telling all these really lame groaner dad jokes until uh, the final winners have a duel. And the person that walks away winning gets the golden pun gun as their prize.
3: It is a very prized possession. It is a plastic gun spray-painted with gold spray paint. But well, yeah, who wouldn't want that? I mean, it's it's pretty prestigious. Well, it,
4: it's a
0: pretty good prize, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, you, you say it like it's not something that's <laughs> awesome. You took all the time and energy to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. And, and it's got this Western theme to it, so we have, you know, a tumbleweed that goes across the stage that we lovingly call the pumbleweed. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I play different, you know, Western sound effects throughout the show, and uh, and people tend to eat it up because it's so... Dorky, you know, it's just so nerdy that you can't help but just support and love everything that's happening in the room because, unlike a normal uh, uh stand up uh, act, you don't have that sort of pressure, you're trying to tell essentially just bad jokes off right. the cuff, right? So, it's really hard to fail at punslingers. In fact, if you fail, you're probably going to make it to the finals because it's just so cheesy. But well, pe- people eat that up.
0: It could be that if you fail, you're just doing you're so great. At telling jokes exactly. that exactly. you probably shouldn't even be there. Right, you've yeah. been, you've
4: been trained by your dad and your uncle at the dinner table for <laughs> years and years since childhood of these like eye rolling jokes that used to embarrass you as a kid, and now you've embraced them, <laughs> and turned them into a comedy platform. Very nice.
0: Okay, so switching over to Fringe now, you have adapted it for uh, Fringe, and so now it's a full on Western musical. That's right. That's right. So
3: right. So this this one is scripted completely. So I. I that's what really is the big difference, obviously from the our game show that we do to what this show is. Um, this is we have eight wonderful actors uh, that are super fun and super funny and also really talented musically. Uh, and so Sam here, um, on his bucket list, he's always wanted to write a pun script. And so he has been working on, Ideas for this for the past two or three years, um, and finally, kind of had that opportunity, as, as, uh, she said before, the gods of fringe shined upon us and we got lucky with the lottery so um so this is yeah it's it's a western tropey story um we have the villains we have the good sheriff we have the love interest we've got the city slicker coming in from out of town figuring out what's going on and what's special about this town which we call zingfield is that everyone communicates via puns and not only do they communicate via puns but they also can injure one another via puns as a duel would in the old west sure a pun duel is what can really do the damage so it's it's kind of fun to to have these uh physical moments of pain coming from a really bad dad joke so it's a true groaner in that way
0: right and i'm familiar with that with my children because they often pretend or actually have uh feel significant harm whenever i make a joke
3: exactly see (laughs) that's that's the spirit we're going
0: for very nice. So how long did it take? I mean, from a writing process standpoint, you've not only got—you write the whole thing. It's about an hour long, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, how long did that take from the time you started to the time you were done with it, especially with the music involved? So, Yeah. it's Is it original music, or is it music it, that's out there it, that you got uh, licensed?
4: It, it is all original music. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So, you know, cool. we found— um, uh, uh, Zach Simpson is our um, music writer, and we found him to help do the compositions. Um, we started writing this back in November. Um, the, the co-writer, his name is Seth Brown, uh, he and I uh, got with Tom Misrobian last year to win Best Musical at the Fringe Festival 2016 with uh, Simpleton, the legend of President Trump. Um, and we loved that collaboration so much. Uh, he's a friend of mine that lives on the East Coast. Um, that I called him up and I said, uh, that was a lot of fun writing uh, with you, so let's do it again. So back in November, December, we really started putting uh, pen to paper um, I had all sorts of ideas um, about what I wanted to see in the show. The, the biggest inspiration was that, um, do you remember that scene in an airplane where they're all in the cockpit? And one of them saying, like, uh, we have clearance, clearance, Roger, Roger, what's our vector, Victor? And it's just sort of this who's on first style, bing, bang, boom mm-hmm. type of scene. And I wanted to see that at a card table, at a poker table, uh, with four old cowboys inside of a saloon, um, just sort of bouncing it around back and forth. And so we started there and then just sort of extrapolated it, started Story got bigger and bigger to where we invented this town called Zingfield and this whole way of speaking where puns can hurt as bad as bullets if you want them to. Um, so you know, it's it was probably a good three or four months of um, of writing, you know, getting together weekly and writing, and then uh, and then getting the musicians together, putting together the compilations, the um, you know, the vocals, all all that. The lyrics and music was a lot of fun. Um, so it's it's totally a labor of love. Um, but it's something that we specifically selected these people to work with because they're just so fun to work with. And the mm-hmm. material we're doing is so goofy that you just have to resign yourself to the fact that we're making a show about puns. <laughs> you know, it's like, we're not going to change the world with this one, but it's so goofy and silly that we think we've got a, a winning show that people will really enjoy. And so we want you to have fun performing it. We want our actors to to laugh at what they're doing because you can't take yourself seriously. If you're, <laughs> if you're saying a bunch of, you know, puns about horses or whatever the, the topic is about poker or whatever.
0: It's interesting that you put it together. What what I would consider so quickly, uh, you know, going from November to now, and having not only having to write it, but actually having to produce it and get everybody ready and rehearsals and all Sam that. Sam is
3: really good with puns. So he, he is it really
0: good or really bad? Well, <laughs>
3: that's that. Well, you know, as his wife, I I think the same things. Um, but honestly. This is something he he also does um, he works with Freedaps uh, the the freestyle um, hip hop rap group mm-hmm. um, and so they as we all uh, do sometimes yeah you know like people do <laughs> and and uh, I, I mean these guys are aliens on earth because they are so freakishly talented but a lot of hip-hop and rap and a lot of freestyle are puns and wordplay and twisting you know words into other meanings in order to kind of have a joke and it's really cool when it has a hip-hop beat but it's also really lame when it's just a pun but it's it's all the same skills and so Sam and and um, you know our our kind of small tight-knit group of friends like this is just something that this is how their brains work. So, uh, you know, as long as they have a structure of a story and a topic, it flows pretty naturally, so. <laughs> there's there's no
4: off switch. There, I can't right. tell you how many times Anna has looked me in the eye as her, as, her, as my wife, and she's like, you're not listening to what I'm saying right now, you're thinking of a pun. Yeah,
3: he's like, like setting something up in his brain. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. like
4: yeah. one of my eyes just starts to go to the corner of the room and she's like, say it. <laughs> like, just go right. ahead. Just- right. <laughs> you,
3: ha- you have the floor, you have the floor. Yeah.
0: Well, so I wanted to pitch a couple of puns for you, but do you want to, uh, I see you've got a script there, do you want to go ahead and do a scene or something from your show?
4: Yeah, I mean, we have a a bit um, from the show that that might be, you know, kind of give the flavor of the show. That would be great. Uh, Yeah,
3: so FYI, we we are actually not in the show. Um, Sam and I are both improvisers and performers, but we actually um, are just producing and directing it. Uh, We have other people that are Extremely funny, super talented, and that are also uh, singers where Sam and I are eh on that front. So uh, we have <laughs> more talented people to do this. So I'll be playing Joe, Sheriff Joe, in this scene. Um, so I'll try and do a man voice for everybody. Yeah,
4: so Joe is the Sheriff of Zingfield, and I'll be playing the villainous Blackjack. Think of your typical, you know, Western mustachioed villain. Uh, and the two of them are on horseback in this scene, and they're and they're encountering each other in a duel. Now keep well, in mind, that- every time you hear a pun, there could be a gunshot that happens right after. So they're, it's just, they, they feel that pain of the pun. Like that's an actual attack on someone. Hey, Joe, nice horse. I have equestrian for you. What's that? Why are you riding such an old horse? I don't mean to nag. <laughs> ha,
3: Nag. Not everyone gets your jokes, BJ. You gotta be a little more on-the-nose with it. I asked your horse if you were a good rider. Oh, yeah? Yep. He said, nay. Bow.
4: That's funny, because surveys show you're a terrible rider. I know because I took a gallop pole. Bow.
3: Ow! Ouch! My pony!
4: <laughs> What's the matter, Joe? I'm just foaling with you. You're just a cold hearted bastard. Hey, no need to be rude. I thought we had a more stable relationship. Ah,
3: not since this town has been saddled with your presence.
4: Uh, I didn't bring presents. I'm just jockeying for a better job. Yours. All
3: right, Blackjack, it's time you stop terrorizing this town once and for all.
4: To terrors human, to forgive equine.
3: And <laughs>
0: Very nice. Very nice. Well, now I don't want to talk about my puns. because they are obviously much better at it than me. Uh, but actually, so I do generally I would do a, um, a segment called Bad Business Ideas. So I okay. wanted to bring this one back. The idea was uh, so I do a little bit of a shark tank and I pitch two Bad Business Ideas. So this was one that came up of, uh, late last year. The idea was that uh, we would have a it's called Vein Chain. It was a, uh, a restaurant chain that would change out every three to six months, but it would always be celebrity related. Mm. Uh, and it would be, uh, we would use the song titles for the most part. Uh, so for example, uh, Corn to Run would be a corn dog themed uh, restaurant. Mm, uh, I want to hold your ham uh, would be sandwich <laughs> or a honey ham. <laughs> Uh, excuse me while I kiss this pie would be a dessert shop. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, like a pear is the produce shop. Mm. Uh, YMC Beaujolais is the holiday wine bar. Mm. Uh, if you liked it, if you, so this is, this sorry, is actually a holiday a wine bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> because we're going to change it every three months. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. It is a bad business idea after all. <laughs> uh, if you liked it, then you should have uh, Buffalo wings on it. Mm. Yep. Uh, so that was a little bit long. Uh, pop in the name of love is the soda fountain. Of course. Uh, which I don't know that they still have. And then Dancing Bean, of course, would be the coffee shop. Mm.
3: Dancing Bean.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Which I gotcha. think is actually the lyric. I don't oh. know. I'm not familiar okay. with that song. Sure, sure. But yeah.
4: uh, the Dancing Bean could have the espresso self. Yes. <laughs> espresso self. Yes, wow. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I knew something good would come there, out of that. There it is. So, if... uh. <laughs> I have to pay a cough fee for coughing on the radio now. A cough fee. No, I get it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You. you look at me the way Anna looks at me. when you yeah, say yeah it. Sorry. This yep. blank stare. Yep. But, oh,
0: okay, that, no. that, that probably hurt a latte to hear that one. Am I right? And we're going to play a song right now. <laughs> uh, so we'll play I'm an Old Cow Hand from the Rio Grande on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree. And we have to wrap it up, unfortunately. Uh, But I'm going to come back on with all of our special guests. Lisa, Sam, Anna, and Mike are all here from the French Festival in one capacity or another. Some of you are doing shows. Some of you are herding cats. Mike (laughs) is what I think about when I think about what your role is. Uh, But I wanted to do, before we talk about uh, just the last chance for you to promote your show and talk about where to go in terms of websites and stuff, I did want to do a pop culture current event quiz uh, and really judge you guys on your answers. So, because I'm very judgy. No pressure. Yeah, 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 is what you're getting uh, so far. So, are you ready? Yes. Sure. Excellent. I'm so confident. (laughs) Uh, So, starting off with, this was a pretty interesting intellectual property issue. There was a hacker who got in and stole a bunch of uh, production uh, materials from different networks. So they, uh, this hacker uh, wanted to ransom with Netflix over uh, Orange is the New Black. Did you hear about this? Mm-hmm. So season five, they said, if you don't pay me, uh, I will actually release it on the Internet. So it's supposed to come out on June 9th. So Netflix chose not to pay. And so they released the entire uh, season on Saturday. So what was the name of the hacker? Was it A, The Dark Overlord, B, Leak of the Devil, that's for you, Thank Sam. You. Uh, <laughs> or C, champion
4: of the old media. Well, I just want to say, leak of the devil so, was... sounds like a UTI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I had that once. Got a salve for it. Uh, I actually, I actually do know this one because I'm a, I'm a nerd that reads up on this stuff. I think it's A, the Dark Overlord. That yep. is correct. All yeah. right, yeah. Sam. So yeah. 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 Very All nice thought, C, yeah. because so, uh,
0: you know. The that's champion I mean. of the old media. Yeah. Yeah, so. I know. That was kind of <laughs> the, sweet in a way. Yeah. The dark overlord also claims to have stolen unreleased content from ABC, Fox, National Geographic, and IFC. So I'm not sure what they stole from IFC, but I'm sure they're not going to pay a ransom mm-hmm. either.
4: He's got so much entertainment.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true.
3: <laughs> he just binge watches. Yeah, all
0: that's it. all he does. <laughs> I didn't really want to ransom it. I just wanted to get ahead of everybody else. <laughs> right, right. Uh, after a year of not having a permanent on-air par- partner, Live with Kelly Ripa will announce the new co-host today. So, uh, what fictional character do you wish they were choosing for the show? Is it Rogue One's K2SO, Park and Recreation's Tom Haverford, or Nick Wilde from Zootopia? So who do you wish was going to be on it? So this is really more of a personal Sure.
3: Preference. I mean, uh, like off air, I, I was already making Parks and Rec jokes, so I would have to say Tom Haverford because yep. I would also want to see his face every time a celebrity came in that he had to interview.
1: Oh, yeah, I, just that surprise. Yeah, just that, like, yeah, dumb, yeah, yeah, the dumb yeah. surprise yeah. face, yep. yeah. I'm going to go with K2SO, Uh, you know, honestly. Um, Murderous droid. As much as I love, like, the classic C-3PO and R2-D2, BB-8 is cute and all, but he's the best droid character, I think, that Star Wars has ever had. Hear, here. here. Yeah, because he's, like, C-3PO except uh, way cooler and funnier and not whiny. And likes and to could, murder people. And could actually, yeah, 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 yeah. kick yeah. butt. I second the Tom Haverford. (laughs) Okay. Tom Haverford for you?
2: I'm going to have to go with Mike. (laughs) K2SO? Yeah, I'm a big Star Wars geek, so. All right. Very
0: good.
3: Sorry, Zootopia.
0: Family in Newton Falls, Ohio had a surprise dinner guest this weekend. Who was it? Was it A, Rogue One's (laughs) K2SO, B, Park and Recreation's Tom Haverford, or C, Mark Zuckerberg? Hmm. They're all great dinner guests.
1: Yeah, they are. But there's only one. I'm gonna guess guess Zuckerberg. Yeah, yeah. Was, uh, yeah.
0: So he uh, announced in January you know? that he was gonna uh, do a nationwide tour. He was gonna visit people in every state, all 50 states. Apparently, you guys have 50. My understanding. You guys. I'm from Canada. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure I understand it completely. So I don't know if you sent him an invite for the French Festival. He hasn't come to Florida yet. Oh. So yeah. it right. might be something maybe Zuck, for an individual show yeah. or for the French Festival sure. overall. So something to consider. I
5: would
3: love
0: to hear his reviews of everything. (laughs) that
3: would be good. I think especially of our Fringe Festival, which is so eclectic. I would would love to hear that.
0: Uh, So we have a lot of writers here this morning. So the WGA I didn't see this morning, the Writers Guild of America, is potentially striking tonight at midnight. So I didn't see exactly what happened yesterday during negotiations. So I don't know if they came up with something. Uh, There are a lot of issues, but what would you say is one of the most important ones? So out of the three that I have, these are all serious. Uh, Basic wage increases. The WGA wants 3% uh, wage increases yearly to match what directors get. They Mm. currently, uh, the industry wants to give them 2%. Uh, Script parity. I thought this was interesting. Writing for cable or streaming is less uh, than writing for the networks, even though it's the same amount of work. Uh, Obviously, the industry wants to keep it less because they don't make the same amount of money off of it. Or family leave, uh, the WGA wants a formal policy, the industry wants to keep it from production to production. As writers yourselves, what do you think is uh, the most important?
2: I would think wage increase, I mean, especially to be equal to your directors. you would They wouldn't be directing anything if they didn't have a writer.
1: Right. Yeah, amen, agree with that.
3: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you, you put in probably the same amount of time after all said and done then. The directors or other people involved in the production
0: agreed yep uh there's other things out there residuals healthcare, pension plans but really the negotiating tactic i think they have is if you don't uh if there is a strike then we just get more reality tv Ugh. so i don't think anybody that's scripted yeah, uh, that. though that's here. just as
3: scripted yeah. as anything else sure but yeah. <laughs> they they're definitely writers on those guys <laughs>
0: all right so last one just real quick because i get want to get enough uh, time for you guys to promote your shows the NZN just finished its own festival, Florida Film Festival, oh, yeah. so very nice there. And I like how we go from that right into French Festival. So that's nice. So I uh, feel like I'm bettering myself constantly. I don't go to, you know, the Florida Film Festival because I'm not that smart. But I, I like that it's there. <laughs> uh, so as you may know, the NZN is expanding or they want to expand. So they just went through a review last week, sort of this in-progress review. Uh, it was pretty interesting. What was not one of the topics that came up? Uh, last week was it the landscaping of the proposed expansion the fact that you know residents feel there's not enough comic book movies shown there or parking what was not one of the issues (laughs) that came
1: up one of those (laughs) is not like i would say hopefully it was that there's not enough comic book movies because there's plenty of those in the regular theaters like you really there's too many Uh, comic book movies um so i would hope that they were just discussing the landscaping and the parking
0: yeah, I was surprised that landscaping came up. I would think that Yeah, I'm sure they're gonna do a good job with the landscape.
4: Yeah, I mean you work at Rollins, which has a beautiful landscape, mm-hmm. and you really do notice the difference. And you step on this it's campus true, yeah. you're like, Oh, this is a this is a utopia. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very
0: much. <laughs> I do it all myself. Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to announce so that on the air <laughs> right now. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. outside with a weed. Not many people realize that, but it's part of admissions, right? Like, <laughs> I want to get people here. <laughs> right. Has mm-hmm. to look nice. So grab well. a weed whacker. Landscape. Yeah. Let's end it there and let's talk about each of your shows. Lisa, let's start with you, if you don't mind. Can you tell us a little bit about what you want to say about the show and when it is?
2: Yes it's la reina yolanda is written and performed and produced by me it's in the white venue um you go to orlandofringe.org to get tickets and it's one woman's life um, from childhood adventures to her battle with alzheimer's and sometimes the greatest journeys are the ones in our own mind
0: very good well thank you very much for being here this morning sam and anna
2: uh,
3: we have Punslingers, a Western wordplay musical, and it is uh, in the yellow venue at Fringe, uh, a.k.a. the Goldman Theater, if you are familiar with Orlando Shakes. And, uh, yeah, you can go to punslingers.com. We also have um, our game show version of Punslingers coming up this weekend, uh, May 6th, at Sat Comedy Lab at 5 p.m., so come and uh, have some laughs and maybe compete if you'd like.
0: No. Come on. <laughs> Maybe. I think
1: you'd be
4: great at it. I that, think man. I might be good at Even it. Even if you don't compete, you can come. You probably have one friend that likes to tell groaners. or just come and watch and watch the underbelly of Orlando show up and tell you lots of bad puns.
0: You, <laughs> you really get, sold that. Yeah. You get to mm-hmm. judge them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> okay, then I'm in. <laughs> uh, Mike, again, thank you, and Sam and Anna, thank you very much for being here. Mike, thank you for being here. So, uh, Orlando Fringe, I think we've kind of summed it all up. You get a button. Crazy that gets you in. That supports the Fringe Festival. You buy the tickets. All the ticket sales go to the artists. Nice job, guys. Uh, And then where do people go from here?
1: Yeah. So I would say um, the best bet: go to orlandofringe.org. Learn a a lot about it, or and just show up. Mm -hmm. So uh, even if you don't have any tickets in advance, even if you don't plan on seeing ticketed shows, you can show up on the Fringe One and watch some bands and have a beer and have, have a meal, and then, and then artists will start coming up to you, start playing play you a song and hand you a flyer, or uh, just start engaging with you, and you're going to find out what you really want to see. Talk to people on the lawn. It is so easy to fringe. I think people are intimidated by it, but if you just show up at Lock Haven Park between May 16th and the 29th, and uh, we'll, we'll guide you where to go. I mean, it's very simple. You get the button. You can purchase tickets and go see, see shows after that. But uh, I encourage people to just to show up. The uh, next big event we have is May 16th. That is our national and international artist teaser show where two-minute snippets of all of the visiting out-of-town performers uh, from uh, all, all across the United States, Canada, the U.K., Australia. Um, so we, we've got artists coming from all over the world, and you can see two-minute snippets of their shows to decide which ones you want to see. Ah, uh, that's only ten dollars for that event, uh, so it's a, a really cheap, reasonable price for it. Um, and just like I said, come out and experience the fringe, even if it's just to to go hang out on the lawn for a little while.
0: I agree. Best value in the business. Uh, so 1993, I'm going to take you back there. You weren't born yet. You probably weren't born yet. You <laughs> were like six years old. I yeah, right.
1: just graduated. High school, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before. Me yeah. and you,
0: right there. Uh, <laughs> but I came to my first French festival and I saw a particular group. Uh, they were from Canada. They're called the Arrogant Worms. Ah, love Killed the Killed uh, me. I'm the
1: only gay Eskimo. Killed me. Tribe. So I wanted to play
0: one song from them uh, <laughs> before we left. So this is the Tokyo Love Song on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You've been listening to a certain degree. Thanks, Nick.
5: I had a love that was so bright. I used to dream of her each night, and then rush to her side every morning. I had her all to myself, we never noticed anyone else, we didn't even hear the radio warnings. Our love was no joke, you know, it was the talk of downtown Tokyo, we'll be happy was crushed by a Japanese monster. Ah, ah, God. Our love was so true, but now she's three foot two, and she used to be five foot eleven. Her death was unintentional, but now she's two-dimensional. Bug, I guess it's hard to see a monster above you She said she'd save her heart for me But now it's there for all to see And her last words to me were right Our love was so true But now she's three foot two And she used to be five foot eleven Death was unintentional But now she's two-dimensional I ain't And sweet. So sweet, but now she's part, she's part of the street. the street. And I want so much to have her back. Come back. So I'll get a party knife so I can scrape her from the crack.
4: Oh.
1: Yeah, you might need a wire brush. Our love was so true, but now she's
5: three foot two. And she used to be five foot eleven. Death was unintentional But now she's too dimensional My angel is truly in heaven My angel is truly in heaven My angel is truly in heaven
0: And that's the show. Thanks for listening to A Certain Degree. If you'd like to learn more about The Fringe, visit orlandofringe.org. Check out the schedule, buy tickets, do everything you need to do. This episode was brought to you by a certified bad business idea called Bug Bites. Wanna say congratulations to someone you hate? Happy birthday to someone younger than you. Don't send flowers, send an edible arrangement of bugs. The finest, tastiest, and most colorful array of creepy crawlies on sticks will be sent with a customized message. It's protein-tastic order at toacertaindegree.com that's t o a certain